0: Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith be much much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love. In whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with unspeakable, with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ Which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know <clears throat> that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls in in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Peter is writing to a group of believers who have been scattered, and uh, they have suffered great persecution, so this letter is one of encouragement. is one that seeks to help them to um, stand fast in the faith. And Peter starts off his, his letter by um, immediately revealing who is writing to these uh, to these people, the, these Christians who have been scattered. And he, he says, "Look, he's Peter, an apostle." Jesus Christ. And again, this would have been great comfort, knowing that they are in the thoughts and the prayers of Peter the Apostle. And they are aware that Peter is not an apostle of his own doing. He is not one that has placed himself as, as an apostle, but he's been called by Christ. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's doing the work that Christ has called him to do. And we know, because we have, we have the, the scriptures here, we know that, that this letter is the very word of God. So this letter that they received is written by Peter, but he is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So this is God writing directly to the church. Although they may not have known it at this time. But as I said before, the reason for this letter is for the building up of these believers who have suffered greatly now throughout throughout this letter Peter refers to the trials that they go through he refers to insults that they have received to slander to to beatings to being separated and we know from just reading through the book of acts that they may have well been um, under under severe persecution uh, of violence and of death so Peter is writing to encourage to comfort and to build them up and these Christians um, will will be uh, a mix of believers because through, throughout the letter Peter writes and refers to Old Testament ways, and he also points to a Gentile background. So that there is a mix of believers from different beliefs from different backgrounds. But the key thing is that these were believers together who were being persecuted. They had fled; they were seeking safety. And they had come come through some very difficult times. So the letter that Peter wrote was sent off into different places. As we read here, the, the strangers had been scattered. And immediately, Peter is drawing their attention away from their situation and to God. He refers to them as strangers scattered throughout. Now the term here, strangers, is one that um, can also be translated pilgrim. He's making his point here, saying, look, he's reminding them, he's saying, look, you've suffered greatly, you've gone through persecution, but this is not forever, you were a pilgrim. Your time here in these various places is only for a period of time, it's short. Your home is with God. So in that word, in the, in the word strangers or, or pilgrim, He's reminding them that this is just for a period of time. This will not last forever. So this immediately will bring comfort. He's drawing their eyes straight to heaven, straight to Christ. And each and every day that passes, they're getting closer and closer to leaving this world and being at home with their Saviour. And this should be, again, is an encouragement to us. We are on a small small island, we are living here, but this is not our home. We will be at home with Christ when he sees fit. But this also gives them a great comfort, because it would be difficult. There would be the possibility of them focusing solely on their situation, and thinking of all the things that have gone on for them, but Peter immediately is taking them to Christ, setting their eyes on Jesus. And then in verse 2, He goes on further. He said, look, here's your home in verse 1. This is who you are in verse 2. He says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Immediately, Peter goes into their standing in the faith. He's saying, look, you are elect, you are chosen, you are set apart, you have been chosen by God. You're in the family of God. You may have been scattered, you may be in different places, you may have even been separated from family. But you are chosen, you are elect, you are in the family of God. And this isn't by chance, it's by the foreknowledge of God. It wasn't random, it wasn't just a chance encounter that you came to faith, but you were elected by God before the foundation of the world. So again, this is a reminder of the things of God. He's not even really fully addressed the issues of why he's writing. Immediately, he's drawing them towards God. And again, within all of this, he's reminding them, is through the grace of God it's not their own merit it's not dependent on their behaviour or what they do it's by the grace of God and then he goes on here in in verse 2 he says look you're elect, you're chosen and that is really pointing to um, eternal things but these eternal things do have an impact on the earthly things of the things of now he goes on to say, look, through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. He's saying, look, you're, you're chosen and you're, you're being sanctified and you're called to be obedient to God. He's saying, look, you are a different people to the world. And he's really trying to get them to understand who Christ is and, and their their role of what their life should be like in Christ. And he's saying, you will be sanctified. And in sanctification, there will be a continuous battle against sin. We will seek to be obedient, obedient through our faith. And this is the faith that is a gift from God. So immediately he's pointing them to Christ. He's saying, there will be sanctification You will be obedient, you've been saved unto obedience through the blood of Jesus Christ. So again, he's he's saying there will be sanctification, there will be obedience, but it's not of you. It's of the work of Jesus Christ in you. So in all of this difficulty for them, they're being reminded that they are saved, that they are elected, and that Christ is with them. He is the one that is, is sanctifying. He is the one that is, is helping them to be obedient to Him. This is a picture of what Christ is doing in and through them. And He reminds them of the cost of this. It was the blood of Jesus Christ. That they have been washed clean. That they are now in a new covenant. Covenant. They are in Christ. And all this is building the foundation of, of what is to come. He's building that picture of that they belong to Christ. And then in verse 3, Peter immediately goes into the praise of God. And through this praise, he comes out with, with doctrinal statements. And again, things that seek to comfort and to build up the believers here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the re- resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Again, there is comfort here. He's saying, Blessed be the God who has done these things. All these things that Peter mentions are according to the wonderful mercy of God, his abundant mercy. There is nothing of us, it's the mercy of God. And he has begotten us. This is that he has brought us forth, he, we have been born to a living hope. This hope is certain. This is, some, this is a hope that will happen, this will occur, because of the God who has promised us this. Our living hope is permanent. It's not a dying hope, it's an eternal hope. And it will never end, never end. And again, this is building up the believers. This is believers who have been through trials and tribulations, who will be bogged down and, and suffocated by the world. He's drawing them back and pointing their eyes to Christ. You have a living hope. And this living hope won't die. He moves on into to verse four. four. You have an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. So he's reminding the believers here of what is to come. They have an inheritance. It won't fade. It won't decay. It will never cease. Because that living hope, their inheritance, that is undefiled, that is incorruptible, that will never fade, that is in heaven, is their Lord and Saviour. He's saying, here, look, your reward is Christ. Your reward is your Saviour in heaven. Their gift at the end of all this suffering, their blessing from a merciful God that is not earned by them is Jesus Christ himself. He's saying, look, you will be with your Lord and your Saviour. There's nothing better than this in the world. So all of this that is going on, again, again, will fade away in comparison for them, knowing that they will be with their Lord and their Saviour. And then again, he emphasises and builds on this point. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So this hope, this promise of being with Christ in heaven, is not one that is dependent on them. They will not lose this. They are kept by the power of God through faith. So this hope is certain. This hope is there for them. Is Christ Jesus in heaven? And it's certain. It's set. It will never be lost. You look at the the things of this world, you have a have a look round of everything that is going on. People look to the world for their comforts, but they will cease. If it's their health that they rejoice in, that will fade. If it's food, that will rot. If it's their faith and trust is in the princes of this world, they will turn from them. The only one true hope that is certain, that is sure, that will never cease, that we can never be taken away from, is our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who is in heaven And that is where our home is. And again, this is the reminder for the believers here. And after this, Peter gives their response. He's saying, look, you know this truth, and in this you greatly rejoice. A persecuted church that have left their home, that have been scattered, greatly rejoice because of the truths of the gospel even though that they are in trials and tribulations, even though there is a heaviness for all that is going on in their lives, they are a people who rejoice. It's only the Christian that can truly rejoice in this world. There is no other faith that can rejoice. You take the Muslim. They hope, not with a certain hope, but with a wishful hope, that they will be admitted into heaven. Because of the works that they have done. They're not certain. And they're, and rightly so not certain because their faith is one of, of what man has made up and ultimately that is the work of the devil. Only the Christian can rejoice because their hope is a certain hope. Even through trials and tribulations of this world. And he carries on, verse 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So he said, look, trials and tribulations, they are difficult. Look to Christ. He said, look, trials and tribulations, but there is a purpose. He said, your faith is precious, more precious than gold, gold that is refined through fire your faith will be refined by fire it's in the it's in the the trials and tribulations that our faith is tested that our faith is built up and because our faith is not of ourselves our faith is in Christ it will endure and ultimately it will be for the glory of Jesus Christ he will be praised he will be glorified at the trials we have gone through because it shows his goodness and his mercy towards us. Peter carries on, whom having not seen you love, in whom though now ye see him not, ye yet believing, ye rejoice with unspeak unspeakable uh, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. He's saying, Look, you've not even seen Christ. Peter has, he's saying, You have not seen Christ, but you still love him, because of the faith that is in you. And your joy is unspeakable because of who Christ is and what he has done. So in all this knowledge, in all this that Peter has pointed them towards, they rejoice because of who their saviour is. And he carries that on into verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. He's saying, look, your salvation is in Christ." And then he speaks about this salvation in verses 10 to 12. He saying, this salvation is the, the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it tested befo- beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed, that unto... Not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Here, Peter goes on to say, this salvation, this salvation that you have, is a wonderful thing. And it's so wonderful that the prophets that were before you, they preached of this salvation. They Knew what this salvation that this salvation would be coming, but they didn't know the details. They didn't know when it would come, what this salvation would look like. But they knew that a Messiah was coming, and we heard, we heard about it earlier in communion. And Glenn read from Isaiah 53, where it speaks of Christ. So they knew a savior was coming, but they weren't they, they weren't sure of all the details. Peter here is saying, "You have these details. You know." The Savior, you know the Messiah. You've been, this, this gospel has been preached to you. And these prophets were, were speaking of, of what was to come and they were ministering to you. All the Old Testament was, was pointing towards Christ coming. It's all about Jesus. And then he goes on to say, and, and what is being worked out now, what is happening now in the New Testament, in this new covenant, the angels desire to see. God's plan. He knew what would occur, but the angels have the joy of, of, of watching what is going on. They were not open to, to the plans of God. They get to watch it out working today. And again, this will be building up and comforting those going through trials, knowing that they are in a wonderful time, that they have, have, have heard and know the Messiah, that they are in the times that, that Christ had come, that he had died. And how much more should we rejoice that we now have the Scriptures? We have the, the whole of the Scriptures. We know the story from the beginning to the end. Christ has revealed himself in his word. We should be re- rejoicing even more than these people here. And then he moves on. So Peter had spent his time pointing towards Christ to join their attentions away from their troubles and tribulations and pointing them to Jesus. And then he commands them to do these things in verses 13 um, to 17. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end of the grace that is to be brought unto you, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And If ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. So, Peter said, look, behold your Saviour. Now this is how you live in light of that knowledge. He's saying, prepare yourselves. Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. He's saying, think clearly. Be of a rational mind. All this that is going on, all this persecution, stand fast in it. Do not panic. Do not be swayed by the world. Do not be influenced by the dark. Do not lose control of yourself. Don't be stupid in haste. Judge situations correctly. All this is being of a sober mind. But notice, Peter doesn't tell them how. He's saying, do this. But he's not saying you do this by this, this and this. Because he's already done that. He's pointing them to Christ. He's saying, here is Jesus. Here is your standing in Christ. Here is the gospel which you are saved to. This is your faith that is certain and sure. He's drawing them out. He's commanded them, but not to do in their own strength because he's revealed Christ to them. He's saying, look, here is your saviour. And that will have its work in them. He's not commanding them to do it in their own strength. He's saying, this is how you are to live. But it's all done in the light and through the faith of Christ. He's drawing them out of their situation. And only can they be obedient if they do this in Christ. But again, it's not them. It's Christ working in their faith. And this be holy, Peter calls them to be holy, that is to be separate from the world. It's to be Christ-like. He's saying don't be caught up in this world, don't go back to your former lusts. Separate yourselves from this world. But again, the groundwork for this has been done. They cannot do this themselves. Peter has spent the majority of this chapter telling them about Christ. He's saying, Look to Jesus. And out of this love, out of this, the work of the Holy Spirit in their faith, Will they be separated from the world? If he pointed to them and said, Look, this is how you do it, you must do it, they would fall. They would fail. (coughs) He's revealed Christ to them and he's saying, Here's Jesus, live through him. It is the work of Christ in them. He then moves on to say, Look, there is a reward. You will be judged according to your work, not for salvation. This can be twisted very easily to say, look, in verse 17 here, God is saying, work for your salvation. That your salvation is dependent on what you do. But what, what is going on here? Peter is saying there will be a judgment in the sense of you'll be assessed by, by your work, by what you do on this earth. But again, when we look at it in context of here, who is our reward? Who is our oldest? Christ in heaven. There can be no reward greater than that. So we, if we have other rewards in heaven, there will be nothing compared to Christ. If crowns are given, they will be laid at the feet of Jesus. Peter has done his work here, he's saying it is all about Christ. Augustine called this God crowning his own gifts. Again, this is all the work of God. So if our conduct is deemed good in any shape or form on this earth, it's only because Christ has done that work in us. Because we know that our best work, our best offerings, are nothing more than filthy rags. But in Christ, we've been separated. In Christ, we are worthy, not of our own doing, but of his. And anything we do that is for Christ will be done because Christ is in us. And then Peter moves on. So he's gone gospel, he's gone this is how you live in light of that gospel, and then he goes back to the gospel. From verse 18 to 23, he says, For as much as ye know that you... Ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God." Seeing ye, ye, have, <coughs> ye have purified your soul in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So Peter's back to the gospel. He's saying, look, you've been redeemed. You've been saved. You've been brought out of this world, not by perishable things, not by the the teachings of your fathers, not by the the pagan traditions that that perish, but with the blood of Christ. Christ who was without sin, who was set before the world was created. This was not an off-the-cuff plan. This was not something that God decided to do at the drop of axes. Oh, plan A's not worked, this is plan B. All this was ordained before the creation of this world. And my favourite section of, of, of this chapter we find in verse, nine, uh, in verse um, 20. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. This salvation, if you believe and trust in Jesus Christ, was and is for you. It's a personal faith. It's not just something that we, we walk into. It's not a faith where we thought, okay, uh, I'll, I'll pick on that, I'll choose Christianity. Before the foundation of the earth, this salvation plan is for you. It's a personal faith. It's not just for anybody, it is personal for you Who believe in Jesus Christ. Now imagine hearing that in the midst of this pain and this suffering, that this whole plan of salvation was for you personally. This plan of redemption was for you. You were saved from your sins because God chose you, not because of what you have done, but because of his unspeakable mercy, his amazing mercy. So Peter's message of, of hope grows and grows. He's building up this wonderful picture of Christ to to draw the believers out of their situation, to have their eyes set on him. So when they look to the hills, they know their help comes from Christ. And that ultimately what they are saved to will never fail, will never decay, will never be Corrupted. But what they trust in will liveth and abideth forever. And then Peter brings in a command in verses 22 to 25. He speaks of loving one another. He says to them, look, you are to love one another with a pure heart. But we know that our heart is deceitful above all things. So how do we do that? Again, this is in Christ. It's not of our own doing. If we can love, it's because Christ has loved us. It's because we are born again. It's because our heart has been changed. We love because Christ loves. We can love because Christ is working in us. And Christ works in us because of our faith, this faith that is a gift. So now at the very end of, of this chapter, Peter goes again. He's saying, look, everything in this world is, is as grass. It will falleth away. It will wither. But the only thing that will endure forever is the word of the Lord. And this is the gospel that has preached to them. He's going back to the gospel once again at the end of this chapter. He's reminding them continuously. Their endurance, their steadfastness is built on the one true foundation, which is Jesus Christ. All else will fail, all else will come to an end, but the faith in Jesus Christ will never fail. It will never end. It will never wither and die. It will endure forever. And this is what every Christian, in any circumstance, Needs to be reminding of daily that this world is not our own, it is not our home. Everything that we see will wither, will die. But in faith in Jesus Christ, through His gift of His, uh, of God the Father, His Son, Jesus Christ, we will be in heaven forever, where persecution will end, where We will love perfectly where we will be set apart permanently and the things of this world will be no more and we will be with our prize. We will be with our reward, our Saviour, Jesus Christ.